believe that we're missing out on an opportunity to support the success of the recruit if we're not being more mindful about looking at that as an opportunity to uh, not compete with the occupational training, but to, but to augment it. Welcome to a podcast dedicated toward the distribution of evidence-based application of research, information, and training methods to assist the wellness initiative of the fire and rescue community. I am your host, Hussein Jabai, and this is RIT Team Radio. Welcome to episode seven of RIT Team Radio. I'm joined here again with Ryan Provencher of Firefighter Peak Performance, where we are going to discuss self-care and intentional training. Uh, when uh, Ryan and I talked uh, the other day and I asked him, what direction should we go with this conversation, right? Just being very bold, self-care in itself, already a, a, bro a broad uh, topic. And then what does intentional training mean? That could uh, that conversation could go in so many different directions. So we kind of divided it into segments. And the first segment I, I wanted, and, and Ryan wanted to bring up, uh, his transition of mindset and things he how he approached kind of day to day lifestyle choices and everything differently throughout his duration from uh, from being a cadet through years within the service and what uh, how that shifted based on uh, whether it was shift rotation or not. So I'll let Ryan, you have the floor, um, everything and anything, any wisdom you can share with us. Um, a, a, uh, specifically what your first impression or kind of what the thought process is or the upbringing is within the academy. And, you know, it may have maybe different now, I'm just saying, but kind of what is perceived within the academy and then what are some lessons learned throughout your duration within the service? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I just want to say hello to everybody. And uh, thanks again for having me on your podcast. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's just been interesting. I turned 50 last year, and then I hit my 30-year mark in the fire service to include my my volunteer experience. And I experienced a period of reflection that I didn't expect. I never have ever been one to get too bogged down by age. You know, I turned 30, and then I turned 40, and I just never spent any time really thinking about it. But man, when I turned 50, it really did... Um, kind of instigate a, a really deep period of reflection that I'm still kind of almost a year later still experiencing and really in in particular reflecting on my career kind of kind of lifestyle choices that I've made then early in my career uh, compared to what I've learned and and how I I manage my life around my job as a firefighter now so um, so yeah I just I, I feel like I want to share some things I, I've had so much good fortune in my life to have access to to wonderful mentors and certainly uh, just great family and close friends and relationships that without which I don't know where I would be today. Uh, I think we all, of course, have peaks and valleys in our lives and we we depend on people in different ways. And I'm just grateful that I've had uh, just a ton of support uh, in this journey. So what I thought I would would share with you is just a little bit about the trajectory of my career, and then kind of kind of what my life looked like along the way, and and kind of wrapping it up with just some lessons, really in terms of wellness that I've learned that I I just want to share with folks, and they could you know if anything resonates, great. Um, uh, that's my that's my hope is that something resonates that might help somebody. Um, um, and so I, before you start, like and even mentioning if if yeah, I say if you know just reflecting on that and what 
when you do mention those lessons learned, you know, what was kind of that light bulb moment that I'm sure many people that are going to listen to this, either they're experiencing it now or eventually that's going to happen to where it's okay, where do I go from here? Right. This is where I'm at. And where do I go from here? And so when you're sharing those lessons, if you can recall those light bulb moments or what you, you know, what got you to that point? Yes. Yeah. So I think it comes back to that idea of being intentional or even having a sense of awareness around certain things. So um, there, there were things along the way that I just wasn't even paying attention to uh, sleep. For example, I just wasn't paying any attention to sleep um, uh, alcohol as, as back, back in the day, I looked at that as just a social thing that everybody, uh, took part in. But now I recognize that was a massive, uh, stress management tool and one that did not help me. And that, that's the other thing to your point is really spending some time reflecting on, are my lifestyle choices helping me or hurting me? And of course, now being older and wiser, uh, I can really see so much so clearly how a lot of my lifestyle choices really did not help me. And in some cases, actually, uh, literally and figuratively hurt me. And so uh, you just learn those lessons along the way. And and sometimes those lessons can be painful. And again, that's where I'm hopeful that just in sharing some things, I can uh, maybe help someone else to to not make some mistakes that I made or to avoid some of the pitfalls that are just so common uh, for us as firefighters, just due to the nature of our work. Was there, were there anything or was there anything during whether it's, it was preparation and just starting at the Academy, it's not like we have to hone in and just target the, the Academy duration yeah. or, or time portion of the timeline, but were, were there aspects with starting with the Academy, were there aspects, whether it was preparing for the Academy or while you were a cadet, things you either learned or or maybe how you perceived um, the uh, profession. Um, maybe it was things you learned throughout that time period where once you were in the service, you're operating within the agency and after years, uh, maybe you saw it in a different light. Maybe some things you heard made sense five years, 10 years, 15 years in. So uh, was there anything within the academy setting that either you saw differently or made more sense as time went on? Um, I think there are some things related to that, that conceptually have really just stood the test of time, even if we didn't really draw attention to it. So for example, you know, 30 years ago when I was uh, testing to become a firefighter and training to become a firefighter, uh, I did have a background, you know, we've talked, uh, but uh, I had education, exercise science, I had, Kind of, even though I didn't think of it this way, I, it, now as I look at it, I really did have and have always had kind of a an athlete's mindset in approach to the fire service. So if I knew that I had to pass a physical test to get hired, my physical training prepared me for that. If I um, had to prepare for the rigors of academy once I got hired, then my physical training prepared me for that. What I did notice or what I think about differences between my academy experience 30 years ago and, and what we're doing now is that there was just no accounting for, you know, being intentional about the physical fitness side. You know, we would just run and run and run and uh, arbitrary pushups. And, you know, it was just it was just almost almost another tool to I don't want to say break it down, but it, it, it the, the attitude towards fitness wasn't 
necessarily to support your performance in academy. It was just another kind of rigor of academy where now, yeah. now well, it's not like that well, in, not, in my experience. And yeah, no, no, no. And and to add to that, and and depending on who you talk to about, I say loosely the phrase strength and conditioning program, but usually it's referred to as PT, uh, uh, physical fitness or physical training. Uh, but even then, you know, a lot of entities you talk to, and there's there are beyond plenty of entities that have amazing programs. I'm not knocking any program out there, but there are some programs where you ask, and the instructor will say, well, it's a, it's a mentality thing, right? It's PT was designed to uh, improve your, your mental strength and your ability to withstand uh, adversity. That's that, that was kind of, and I can't speak for everyone where that's the entire logic actually initiating um, or, or including within the academy setting. We know physical preparation has a lot to do with job performance and uh, supplementing and adding to adding value to job performance. But uh, many times it's perceived as well, we run because we have to break them down mentally so that we can build them up or same thing with pushups. It's what we know. But if we do enough, right, then we can get them to start listening or, or hearing us. And, and so I um, just when you mentioned that, that's what resonates in my head is kind of that thought process where it's more, it's not even for the physical preparation. It's more to push toward that, that mentality, that uh, uh, mindset standpoint. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and uh, I've definitely heard that. And, and even in recently, you know, it's uh, the physical training or the, the exercise piece is a way to test the metal of a new recruit. And um, I just feel like there's so many other ways we can do that just in our occupational training. Um, and we, we were, I believe that we're missing out on an opportunity to support the success of the recruit if we're not being more mindful about looking at that as an opportunity to uh, not compete with the occupational training, but to, but to augment it. So how as, you know, you've talked about um, and and we tie in intentional to probably every segment of of this um, yeah. being intentional to every segment of of this discussion. So it's kind yes. of you get a a little bit of uh, defining it a little bit more and more and kind of examples throughout this process. But so the academy setting was being intentional with how do I prepare for um, uh, let's say a physical ability test, whether it's for the academy, let's say the new hire process. But what does that really mean when we say and, and right now we're looking at the physical component. When we talk about health, we talk about wellness. We'll mention other areas or other dimensions, but let's, let's start with physical. Most people associate, like we've talked about, most people can associate um, with the, the physical aspect of it. What does it mean to be intentional when you're preparing for, um, let's say a physical ability test, or even just to go within, you know, onboarding with, to a, uh, an academy, what does it mean to be intentional? Well, and it comes back to what we've been talking about in terms of program design and exercise selection and all of that. And and um, one, one way I look at this and, and in the fire service, we use what we call an incident command system. And, and it's really a way to, to create structure in these incidents that are so chaotic. And we really have three layers that we kind of look at when we're uh, trying to get control of an incident. The, the higher highest level is kind of strategy. It's what's the overarching plan for what we're gonna do, the incident action plan. And to me, that's 
the analogy there is a workout program, a period is work, workout program. What is the plan? The next level down is tactics, tactical objectives. So what are the, what are the smaller pieces, the moving parts that are going to support the overall strategy? To me, that's the daily workouts. And then for firefighters, we've got task level work, you know, uh, deploying hose lines, deploying ground ladders, um, setting up a, a fan for ventilation. These are these are task level skills. And in my mind, exercises are task level skills. So if we're on any kind of an emergency scene, whether it's motor vehicle accident or, or a structure fire, we're, we're working as a team to implement this plan and, and all these moving parts. So if we're talking about preparing for uh, a specific physical ability test, or we're talking about preparing for a recruit academy, to me, that process is the same. We need to look at the task level stuff. So, and we build exercises in support of that movement patterns. We've talked about that. Uh, the next level is um, tactics. And to me, that really gets into maybe energy systems that maybe gets into attributes that you need to be successful in a test or in a recruit academy. And then uh, also really making sure that we're being mindful of building in re recovery in terms of how we spread out our workouts. And then all of that kind of feeds into now this overarching periodized physical training plan, this, this incident action plan or this uh, physical training plan that we're putting together with a very specific goal of being successful in whichever endeavor we're uh, seeking to excel. So still honing in on, on physical and, and again, we'll mention multiple other dimensions, but since we're going to not saying we're going to sit here and pick your life apart, but uh, if, if, if we're going to talk about things you've learned or, or how you've modified and progressed and, and altered what that process looks like um, now, the, the model, the actual, uh, I guess, steps toward that process initially is, is the same, but the thought process, the ideology, the output from that process is going to be different. And, and so I want you to speak on how have you approached that same process at different stages in your life? When you talk about, let's say, doing a needs analysis or associating with the job tasks, but then making modifications based on uh, shift schedule or not. So kind of talk about how that model, what you talked uh, just talked about, how has that assisted, but how have you made modifications during your throughout your career, if that yeah. makes sense? No, that makes uh, that makes sense. And uh, for me, it, it has been a very uh, personal, what I would call an evolution over time. And really that I, I give direct uh, credit for that or or um, I've just been really fortunate to have access to uh, mentors or influences that have really ex exposed me to different approaches to things that I've really embraced over a long period of time, had for sure, personal success with it. And then I've also been well positioned to just share information with other people around me in the fire service and also have seen them really benefit from different information and different approaches to things. So uh, I'll share with you that, you know, I grew up in the 80s. And so uh, I was very, very inspired by Schwarzenegger and, and Sylvester Stallone and the action heroes of the day. And my friends and I were, were gym rats and, you know, go big or go home and what's your bench, bro, and just all that stuff, right? And nothing wrong with any of that, right? Traditional strength training, uh, there's so much value there. Um, and 
for me personally, in my in my teens and twenties, I was very strong. I weighed almost I think two hundred pounds, and I was you know very strong for my for my size. And but I'll tell you what, I didn't really pay any attention to anything related to stretching or mobility. It just wasn't important to me, and it wasn't uh, part of our back then in my group, part of our exercise culture. And then uh, I just happened to go to college with Mark Verstegen. He's the, the founder of uh, Athletes Performance, which is now Exos. And he wrote a book called Core Performance. I wanna say it came out right around the year 2000. And when you talk about a light bulb coming on, to me, that was my first exposure to what I, and again, there's so many ways to describe these things, but I, I just like to package things in these boxes that I can, that helps me to articulate what I'm talking about, but functional fitness, right? That's a very broad generic term, but for me personally, and in the way that I approach things, the work that Mark Verstegen did through Athletes Performance and still does through Exos was my first exposure to functional fitness. And it just changed the way I approached my training and it changed the way my body felt. Like I, I, I joked with colleagues after training on the program for a while that I, I felt like Spider-Man in the way that my body would react to, to unforeseen uh, challenges or, or just whatever. And so that was, that was a light bulb moment, the transition from 100% old school, traditional strength training to a much more functional approach. And then about eight years later, I was still having, you know, some pain and some joint issues. And I just happened to meet a guy by the name of Scott Sonnen, who is uh, local in my community. He's a, a, a very well-regarded uh, martial arts expert and physical fitness expert. And he introduced me to what, again, this is me labeling it, uh, not saying that this is a definition necessarily, but what I look at is more tactical fitness. And this is where we're, now we're using simple tools, we're using interval training, and the entire periodization around it is around stress management. And it's around um, your central nervous system and how you're responding, not only to your exercise, but also to your environment, and then making sure that those things support each other and don't compete with each other. So uh, again, I apologize, I can geek out about this stuff all day, but to really capture your question about learning and light bulb moments and influences, I'm just grateful. I, I've had amazing access or at least awareness of thought leaders, in, in my opinion, in these areas. And I've just been able to really dig into it and, and benefit from it. Yeah. And, and no, I've, I like when, when we start going in a different, in a different direction, it brings up so many other good topics but also things to highlight and i like how you mentioned one one huge aspect was stress management it's not just physical preparation it's just physical it's just doing the workout right that that's only a small segment of preparation of occupational readiness and so being able to tie in those those other dimensions whether it's the uh, emotional, mental side, the intellectual, the social, the spiritual, there's other dimensions, there's other components of uh, health and wellness, where we try to, we're doing better. Um, granted, I'm not the, the uh, I don't have the most knowledge or the most awareness of programs out there. But my uh, overall consensus is that we're doing a better job of bridging these different professions with different professionals that are collaborating and and creating systems for agencies for departments for academies for entities 
um, to where we're covering more than just the, the physical preparation, whether it's educational settings, whether it's bringing in as I say, as simple um, as financing and budgeting, right? Talking budgeting with families. Um, there are many, and that's just one example that has nothing really to do with physical, unless you talk about budgeting and then the cost of uh, healthy food and then memberships and whatever, right? Like that does tie a factor in. Uh, but then we open the door of talking about stress management. So, and, and you don't have to give personal experiences. You can, if you want, but these other dimensions, right? When we talk about uh, intellectual and, and uh, we talk about mental and emotional and spiritual and social, right? Has that, that waves, the, the, think of it on a, a spectrum. We don't just say we're at good uh, or great emotional health. We're at great social health. We're at great spiritual health and, and physical and so forth. We don't say we're there and that's it. We've made it. We don't have to work on it anymore, right? We It's a spectrum. We uh, fluctuate on this spectrum with every dimension. One, we could be great physically. We could be a ton of muscle mass, super agile, mobile. We could uh, be powerful, fast, uh, whatever you deem as being super fit. Uh, but then at the same token, we could have a lower level of a men, uh, of emotional or mental. And I, I separate uh, emotional and, and intellectual think uh, emotional, more of awareness of feelings, but then also being able to um, decipher and, and delegate and, uh, and even utilize those feelings depending on the situation and, and how you can use those to your, your advantage. But then also intellectual, yes, receiving information, but can I actually retain it? But then can I utilize it? Um, and then uh, I guess just going down the panel, giving some definitions from a social standpoint, not just being involved within a community, but both you are adding value and the person you are associating with or conversating with adding value to that conversation. It's not just um, you're just present, right? It's being able to build meaningful relationships, uh, maintain and uh, be able to have depth to those relationships. Uh, but then from a spiritual standpoint, and for the most part, we associate spiritual from a religious uh, aspect, which is great. I'm not saying that don't do that. What I'm saying is also view it in the sense of purpose, view it in the sense of uh, morals and uh, a belief system, right? Because we have everyone's unique, uh, everyone has their own, and we won't go on the a tangent of religion, but in a sense of purpose, identity, we talk about identity when you're going through your career, let's say starting as a cadet, advancing into the field and then being within the field for 10, 15, 30 years. Where does sense of purpose start to shift? Is there a shift the moment you start the academy? Does it go, hey, that's it. This is who I am. Or throughout the academy, you start to create an identity. Is it once you're a new hire? Um, and then what does that look like when we can talk about there's a whole nother podcast episode talking about retirement and, and the uh, psychological aspect behind it. But I just wanted to open the door. I wanted to open the door saying there are other dimensions of wellness. Um, so I, I want you and I know when I went on kind of a, ta a tangent kind of defining those, but um, I want us to just just be open and, and say there's more than just that physical, that physical preparation. There's more than that. Uh, so what has that whether it's lessons learned, whether it's being intentional, what does being intentional in those other areas look like? Um, and then 
Uh, are there some strategies that personnel can apply to their life to help them within um, one or two or a couple of those other dimensions? Yeah. So when we talk about lessons learned and I, again, I just kind of reflect on, on my life and, and uh, you said a lot there that I want to kind of cover or, or at least address or, or just give some specific experience to that. Um, and, and for me, I'll, I'll just share a moment and, and, you know, I, I feel like I want to be uh, transparent and vulnerable with the audience. And in my hope is that it, it resonate, you know, if I say something that maybe someone else can relate to, or, or it resonates that that's my goal. So, you know, it was uh, right around 2014, 2015, I really did hit a low point. And so uh, I was going through a divorce and that was a very stressful time. I had just had a hip replacement and that's a whole other story about arthritis in my family and uh, where the, that road and um, I was I was leaning heavily on alcohol at that time as a stress management tool. So here I am. I'm uh, going through a divorce. My body is absolutely uh, torn to shreds. My mental health is is not good. My emotional health is not good. My sense of purpose was certainly waning. And I'll never forget this moment. And we all have these moments, right? Where uh, I'm laying on the floor in my house. I've got probably four weeks of beard on my face, just unkept. Uh, I'm on. I'm off work uh, again, using alcohol as a stress management tool. And it, it just hit me like it was just a. Again, you talk about these light bulb moments. There, there. In this moment, I realized that I was, for one, for someone that. I have uh, very much lived a charmed life uh, and have so much to be grateful for and, and always have. That moment was a specific low moment. And then realizing I was heading down a path in the way that I was managing that, that was not good and that would not have a good outcome for me. And so I decided in that moment, right, right in that split second that I was done with the pity party and I was gonna climb out of this hole that I was in and that was December. And I promised myself by that next summer that I would be thriving and that I would climb out of the hole and that my life would be completely different. And so what does that look like? And, and how do you even begin to make any progress on, on something like that when you feel like you're at your lowest point and even maybe feel hopeless in some ways. And so I just leaned on on some of the, the knowledge that I had. Certainly my go-to is always uh, the physical practice. And so having just had a hip replaced, I couldn't work out hard, but I could, you know, I could move my arms or I could, you know, just really stick to my physical therapy plan. So that was one thing. And then to tie into the big picture, and I didn't hear this phrase this way until many years later, but it does tie into my my recovery from, from that. Uh, my friend Ed, Lip, Ed Lippi refers to the wellness wheel, and it's everything you kind of alluded to, you know, sleep, nutrition, stress management, physical training, nutrition, relationships, which we can talk about that, but I don't know where I'd be today without the relationships, friends, family, coworkers that lifted me up in that dark time. And even just this whole idea of having fun, getting outdoors, uh, having fun, these are all, they all are tied together. 
And we can be intentional in all of those areas to, to be better and to improve our health in those areas. Was there, when, when you had that light bulb moment, were there, and, and usually I have these, uh, not, not, not even near same instance, let's just say you, let's go as simple as you haven't been physically active in, in some time. Right. And then you have this light bulb moment of, you know what I want to do better. I want to start making a change. And your first go-to is you're either doing a ton of research or you start setting phone alarms or you start writing down what your workout program looks like. So what was kind of when you had that light bulb moment where there things like you made a checklist of things to do, things not to do? Um, what was, I guess, what was your approach to making those changes? Well, a lot of my friends and colleagues will laugh because you use the word, uh, made reference to a checklist. And <laughs> I'm <a laughs> kind of nerdy in that regard. And I'm just, you know, I do have a very linear approach to certain things. And absolutely, I did. I, I des- decided and committed to a list of things that I would stop doing. Uh, at the top of that list, as I was done with alcohol for a period of time, that was not a healthy stress management tool for me. And it was not. It was, it was a slippery slope I was going down that I decided I was done with it and I was done with it for a period of time. I also committed to just cleaning up my nutrition. It's it's crazy, you know, and I don't know how other folks feel or their experience, but it's like, well, if you can't work out hard, well, maybe it just doesn't matter if I eat well. And, you know, if I'm going to have a few drinks, maybe I should just order a pizza and it just, everything just goes downhill, right? So no more booze uh, and now I'm eating clean. So just those two decisions without any other change uh, would have been uh, sufficient to create a much better environment than I was in at the, in that moment. And then again, because I was so limited in my physical training based on being post-surgery, I did have a very structured plan around physical therapy that I was just deeply committed to. So I could focus on that all day, every day. Uh, I'm eating clean now. There's, I'm not, not at all drinking. I'm committed to sleeping better. So just, just these things, you just, you just make decisions about how you're going to make adjustments. You, you evaluate and you update as you need to, but, but you first have to decide. And then you second have to have a plan. And then you just have to stick to the plan for a period of time until you recognize a need to change it. And I really, I really, this, that resonated with me when you mentioned the, the checklist, but where you said, if you say you mess up or throw off one thing and you go, well, the second thing, it won't be too bad if I, I don't do this or if I do that, because I already messed up with the first thing. And uh, uh, it's more, it's super common in my opinion. And I experienced that all the time i have to admit i'm a very (laughs) i'm a very systematic person i say this very openly is i try to as best as possible have a regiment time blocks things like that however i can coordinate work granted it's it's pretty flexible but i try to schedule out my week or something right i try i try to be pretty structured I, i do my best but with that being said with dieting with working out I'm the same way. If I have a really bad workout in the morning uh, or a bad workout for the day, then sometimes if you're in a very bad mood, right? Tying in the the emotional wellness, tying into um, uh, stress management, whatever it might be, 
later or after that workout, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go out to eat. I'm going to, I'm going to hit it hard tomorrow. Well, tomorrow turns into the next day and into the week. And, um, I, I do my best to do the same thing. These are the things I'm going to do. And even if I go out and eat with friends, if I'm with colleagues who are going on a research trip, whatever it might be, sometimes I do have to make harder decisions. And, and I explained it to one of my colleagues. It was, it was, uh, interesting. Um, just, just the thought process behind it was we were eating somewhere and they had like these mini dessert pies, right. That you could, we, they, I think we brought it with us and they ate them in, in the hotel or whatever. Right. And, but for me, I ended up not getting one. Everyone else ended up getting one. But for me, the reason I said no was not that I felt like I was missing out. I definitely wasn't. Um, and with confidence, I can say I was not, but I had just started like the week prior, I made a commitment to myself, like, all right, I'm going to get everything in check. That doesn't mean as strict as possible. But when I go into that mentality, if I need to get my life back in order, I need to get my routine back in order. I make those micro decisions of not having that dessert, not that it would be a bad thing in, in many scenarios, right? But because I just made that transition, I'm trying to make it happen. I'm trying to make it a regiment. I had to just say no, because I knew if I said yes, then after I ate it, let's just say I get that sugar rush and I want to eat something else. Or maybe that next morning I want to get up and, and train, whether it's fasted or not, or pros and cons to that. But let's say I want to get up in the morning and train. But since I had the pie, I was like, well, maybe I wanted some something else that's sugary to go with it. And then it just, it kind of trickles, right? And then that trickles into next day's workout. And it was interesting enough, I kind of have that same mentality as I, I assume many do. And usually it's during that lifestyle change process. It's not, you know, some, some individuals, it's an everyday thing. But usually initially when you're making lifestyle changes, you want to have that kind of structure and not, you know, uh, relying on uh, making a micro decision like that and hoping it doesn't impact. I just personally, for me, I was interesting. You brought that up, but personally for me that resonated with me because I do the same thing. Anytime I try to make some kind of uh, change and then turn it into a habit is okay. I need to make sure I'm getting all of the smaller points in check because I know it will have a domino effect across the board. Yeah. And all those things certainly add up. And if you do have that structure and that plan and you've made that commitment, then all of those choices really become simple. Uh, I don't mean to say that they become easy because it oftentimes is not easy, but it definitely simplifies things. And if you can just keep in mind your end goal and just recognizing that, you know, something like that may not be worth it in terms of the big picture or, or the commitment you've made or the mentality that you have in approaching new goals. Um, it just, I have found also for myself and others that that really helps. And at the same time, if, you know, you make a decision or you deviate from your commitment or your plan, give yourself some, yourself some grace around that. You, you can do that. And guess what? The beauty of this life is that we can just start fresh any, any time. Tomorrow is always a new day and there's no sense in just really having a feeling of regret or, or somehow guilt, uh, around something like that when, you know what, I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll get back on track. 